Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 6 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with narrator Oscar Reyes. Oscar, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you and get to know you better. So with that in mind, let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you got started. Yeah. Um, so I'm from Chicago, but I am based in Los Angeles now. And I think I've been doing it technically for about three years. So I started in the summer of 2020. Uh, my first narrating gig was with uh, the Thorn Chapel series by Sierra Simone. And I've kind of been doing it ever since. So yeah, I've been narrating for three years. Um, in terms of how I got into it, I'm an actor by trade, as well as some other things that I, I also do on the side. But uh, in Chicago, I was doing a lot of theater. And I had a friend who I was doing a play with. And she was talking about her career as a narrator. And I kind of have one foot in the literary world as well. So I had interest in it. And she was like, yeah, it's great. You should totally look into it. I moved to Los Angeles and then the pandemic hit and I was kind of looking for something that I could do and something that was a little bit more remote and the opportunity came along and I kind of leaped in and I've been doing it ever since. Nice. Yeah, the pandemic was sucky as it was and as as tragic as it was looking at silver linings. There's a lot of folks that figured out where their passions lies, were able to come up with their own entrepreneurship. And a lot of folks were like, hey, I can do this audiobook stuff. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. You mentioned being an actor and on stage. Um, how have you taken those skill sets and put it behind the mic? Because there are two different skill sets that kind of fall into place in between. Yes, uh, they, they are a different skill set. Um, I think in terms of how my experience as an actor plays into my work as a narrator it has a lot to do with um putting myself in the position of the characters that i'm reading uh, i think i really kind of pride myself on being able to tap into the the, the headspace of the characters that are being narrated um, and that i think is a skill that carries over from acting you know really kind of being somebody different than you and making it feel real or sound believable but yeah the skill set is is a little bit surprisingly different um mm -hmm. <laughs> uh the actor's skill of reading a text is something that is useful you know being able to look at something and think about well what's the subtext and what does this actually sound like and how would this be uh believably delivered that all kind of plays into it but yeah normally actors aren't reading so many words as an audiobook narrator <laughs> you're definitely in a position to uh to spend a lot more time talking than you probably would even if actors love to hear the sound of their own voice narrators are using that a little bit more Oh, I knew a few people like that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so also with uh, with narration and, you know, you are playing all the parts while mm -hmm. being on stage. You're just that one character unless you're playing a bipolar or someone that multiple personalities. Right, um, right. <laughs> so how do you go about selecting those different voices and cadence to the characters once you've been cast in a book? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the book and it kind of depends on the character. Um, I think the central male protagonist, I can, depending on the book, you can kind of land on that pretty easy. You know, there are a couple of different varieties. Um, I kind of have a little bit of a, a trend of doing sad boys, <laughs> <you know? laughs> which, uh, which is, it feels right. It feels in my wheelhouse, I suppose. Uh, and then in terms of finding the characters that are different than that, um, you just kind of track what feels right based off of what you know about the character and based off the sort of uh, purpose they play in the story. You know, all these different characters kind of um, do serve a narrative function. So knowing that I think is useful and helpful, you know, if the guy's a little bit of uh, an antagonist, if he's a villain, you kind of can figure out how that sounds. Um, are they cocky? Are they plotting like what, what's their vibe you know um and once you figure that out it's relatively easy to find something that feels natural for the character the hard part is tracking it throughout the book because sometimes you'll start and you have like this character in chapter one and they don't come back until chapter 30 
And then you have to be like, what did that guy sound like? You know, uh, or if there are a lot of different characters on a single page or in a single chapter, that is, that's a hard one. Uh, Cause you have to shift gears really fast and kind of go seamlessly through those different lines of dialogue. It, it can definitely be a challenge. Or my favorite one, that guy just pops into the, the diner to just meet up and say something, but it's the sure. best friend of one of them. <laughs> and then you're like giving them something, a cadence or whatever. And then no one, for, someone forgot to tell you that they're also the hero in book five of the yeah. series. And you're going, oh, okay, what did I do there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny how that so, sort of stuff comes back to to haunt you <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> uh, but it, it definitely can. Uh, you know, you make choices and then all of a sudden you're doing a full book from the perspective of a character you did a one-off line from and you're like, oh, well, I didn't know I was marrying myself to this idea. <laughs> that, that's definitely, definitely something that goes down. Yeah. Do you keep your sound clips for those different kind of characters so that you can then refer back to them? Um, So if I'm recording from home, I have them all somewhere, you know, I'll have to go find them and figure that out. But sometimes I'll record in the studio and that's a little bit harder because I don't have access to all of those files. Finding access to a main character voice is, you know, relatively simple. You just pick a, you just pick a file and click play and be like, okay, yeah, that's what that guy sounded like. Uh, but some of the other ones can be tricky. What are some of those like maybe major or subtle differences between recording in your own studio in the comfort of your own home um, and going out into a studio and having to record outside? Um, the, the biggest weirdest thing is probably scheduling just because, you know, um, if you're recording in a studio, you kind of have to figure out what their availability is in their, because they're recording multiple books and multiple people and narrators are coming in and out for different projects. So you're a little bit more beholden to their availability. And when you're recording from home, you can do it whenever. Mm -hmm. I live in an apartment building. Um, so <laughs> even with my booth and setup, there's always like some sort of noise that can make it really challenging. So I usually end up recording late at night when like the whole building is asleep and the street is quiet, you know, which I can do if I'm recording from home because it's my schedule, it's my apartment, it's whatever. But at the same time, then you have to carve out chunks of time every evening, you know, 11 to 2 in the morning, just oh. sitting in a booth recording <laughs> audiobooks, which is fine because, you know, my life has the space for that. But I can imagine that being challenging if I had kids or a dog or a partner, you know, like mm -hmm. if Heck, even any, a cat, okay. Even yeah, a cat. Sure. Sure. <laughs> like any of it just kind of complicates it. Um, yeah. And my booth is, you know, my, my setup for home recording isn't as expensive and fancy as the one in the studio. So that's kind of different. Um, there's a little bit less self-consciousness when you're recording at home, you know, and if you make a mistake or, you know, you're hungry, you can just take a snack whenever, um, cause you're not paying for those studio hours, you know, yeah. it's a little bit like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'm tired of this. Let me be done for tonight, which is great. You know, you can't really, you can't really be mad at mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So with, when you're at the studios, is it just like a, like, I'm thinking because there's a lot of times publishing houses will have, um, like different silos. So they'll own studios, even though home base is in New York, they'll own stuff in California. Mm -hmm. Um, so are you always are you always editing, you know, the recording on your own in these studios or do you have a director or, produ or producer there saying, yeah, no, let's do that line again? <laughs> yeah. So usually the um, I'll go in and the the person like running the booth and running the session will listen and they'll be like, uh, you know, that sounded a little weird. Can you let's get another one of that? Let's get a clean one of that. Or that actually is supposed to be this character's voice. Let's do that again. But they're not really offering as much direction. They did give me I remember getting some helpful tips when I first started because I'm a little bit of a fast talker and I'm a pretty fast reader as well. So uh, especially when I, I, I got started, it was a, a couple of like, hey, yeah, you know, you don't have to rush. Take your time. You can slow it down. Enjoy the words, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they're not really giving a lot of direction most of the time. And then I've done some audiobooks for larger houses, usually outside of the romance genre, and they'll have directors, and sometimes you'll get a lot of direction. <laughs> uh, so that can definitely be uh, be a little bit of a more intensive process. The interesting thing about that is when you're working with the director in the session, you usually have a lot less pickups. Um, because they're able to catch stuff, they're able to listen, they're able to adjust on the fly and do 
a quick session of like, let's hit this again really fast when you're wrapping up and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, and they're a little bit different, but um, mm -hmm. if, uh, if the, if the publishing house is based in New York or somewhere else and you're doing it remotely, usually it'll be like a zoom session. Like the director will zoom in or what have you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of times because of the pandemic, Zooming um, some of these sessions, whether it's for duet narration or, you know, producers or directors has also been a thing. And mm. now, and, and people did not realize that if you were doing a duet, you know, or multicast, you would like fly everybody out or everybody would have to fly out and meet in the studio and take turns. And now you're in and now you're out. And everything now is electronically. Yeah. And I know that some production companies are starting to do duet narration back in like having the two of you, like the, the lead hero and the lead heroine together or the main characters together in a Zoom or in mm -hmm. person. And I'm like, these are actors. They should be able to do it without the person, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that as a, as a stage actor as well, being able to, I mean, I understand it's when you're off, playing off each other is mm -hmm. definitely different. That I get. I mean, it's the same thing like when you're talking to your best friend on the phone versus in person. I get that. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, you know do you feel like you could totally do it without having that other person and have it still be an awesome production i think so i mean like it's interesting because when you do it i guess duet is when you're both in you're both in the same session together i've done that once or twice and it's all been via zoom and it's cool to kind of not be the only voice in the cell you know so to speak um, that's nice because it does make it a little bit less lonely and does feel a little bit more collaborative. But process-wise, um, it is different. I feel like when you're doing it on your own, I don't think it necessarily diminishes the project. I feel process-wise, it makes things a little bit more casual, a little bit easier, you know, um, just because you're in this booth and you're reading these things and it can be very intimate, you know, it, it can be... Oh, yeah. <laughs> especially considering the genre yeah you know it, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely the sort of thing that um if you're not used to being intimate as a performer with another performer it can be a challenge um so it, it kind of has its pros and cons in both i feel i'm a little bit less self-conscious if it's just me in the booth and i'm just doing what i've got to do and i can go in i can get it done and it's chill um, if I know that I'm going to be working with another narrator, I'm a little in my head. Like, how could you not be, you know, uh, you can be a little self-conscious. You could be a little bit like, oh, well, I'm in a different sort of professional mode than I would be otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I've been very lucky that, you know, the narrators I've had the opportunity to do that sort of work with have all been very great and a lot of fun. And sometimes it makes for fun little like bonus content. I did a book. With Wesley Savant, right? Yes. And yes, we have, like, I the saw outtakes. that. I was like, yeah, so and, so that was fun. <laughs> that, that that was a, a fun little thing because there is a little bit of that back and forth. There yeah. is a little bit of um, a little bit of a uh, that sort mm -hmm. of a uh, just you know not teasing, but you know somebody. Well, you're some playing mistake, off like, each other. You exactly. Know? There's energy there, so uh, there's definitely value for that. And I think I can imagine listeners appreciate that sort of like peek behind the curtain. That's a lot less interesting when it's just me like saying the same sentence over and over again. <laughs> like uh, I could definitely see that being a little bit more fun for people. Oh, yeah. No, we do love our bloopers, regardless mm -hmm. if it's solo mm -hmm. narration or dual duets. With duets and having each, you know, individual character have their own person, specifically when it comes to the main point of view for the main characters, it's, it's definitely getting more and more popular. And mm -hmm. the authors are looking into it, uh, cost associated, of course, what that means it's going to be a little bit higher because of time and zooming and all that fun stuff, yeah. which is also where the conversations are being had now with, within the authors of, oh, well, the, you know, someone so said it has to be done in person and I'm, uh, or they're like, we got a zoom and I'm like, mm, not technically, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm like, this, these are, this is what it would look like. And so I've had mentioned that about, there's going to be a little bit more of a chemistry and hopefully if the narrators like each other um, yeah. and hit it off, because otherwise, awkward. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I did hear that um, clip that you were referring to with Wesley. And I'm like, oh, that's that sounds like fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were having fun. I love it when you guys have fun um, recording a book because yeah. it just kind of trends. There's something in the energy, like you were saying before, that just comes off and into the waves. And when we hear it, we can tell. 
Oh, they oh, were having sure. fun with this yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So it's, it's always kind of interesting to, to kind of have that dialogue of where, if there's preferences or not. And it's interesting too, that you mentioned that speaking faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that that's because, because you're bilingual. I'm, I would say, I, I don't know if I would call myself entirely bilingual. I Me speak either, Spanish, right? <laughs> uh, you know, my Spanish, I always say is conversational. Me you know, too. Um, so I can read Spanish very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I can comprehend it. I can say it. My accent isn't awful. It's a bit Mexican American, you know, as opposed to like uh, puro mexicano or something else. But it, would I call myself bilingual? Bilingual? I mean, I don't think native Spanish speakers would call me bilingual. You know, <laughs> hey, whoa! <laughs> I, I can understand and I can communicate, and if mm-hmm. it's written, then I can say it. You know, oh, um, yeah. If I have to like talk on the fly or improv in Spanish, it gets a little mm-hmm. bit. It gets a little bit hairy there. Yeah, I, yeah. similar to you in the sense of I. While I do say, yeah, I'm bilingual. Um, I wouldn't be like if we. You do not take me into an executive's office to translate. Sure, sure, um, sure. <laughs> or a doctor's office. I'm gonna have to Google some of these terms. Totally. Um, but yeah, and reading, you would definitely have it more up on me because I'm like los pollitos dicen okay. <laughs> okay, because you know it's phonetics. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm also first generation American. You know, yeah. in my in my household and stuff like that we were very americanized and yeah spanish inside the house and english outside the house and man does it mess with my brain sometimes when i'm thinking in english but that one word is out with in spanish or the other way around and i'm like how do you say gates in spanish (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and i mean i think that's hard it's hard (laughs) because like I'm somebody that is very much word focused like i really pride myself on communicating via language and so the fact that I don't have access to the same vocabulary in Spanish that I do in English, it's it's frustrating. And then I feel very self-conscious. And then, like, you know, uh, I doubt myself. Like, I'm not me because I, I get shy. I get, like, really reserved because I'm, I'm second-guessing everything. So my Spanish is better if I've been drinking, you know, because like, <laughs> uh, there are less inhibitions yes. and I'm a little bit less concerned about sounding stupid or using the wrong mm-hmm. word or not conjugating the verb correctly. You know what I mean? Oh, I do absolutely. my Duolingo every day. Like, okay. you know, <laughs> I do my Duolingo Spanish every single day. I got a five on the AP test. Like, I tested out of Spanish in yeah. school all the way up, you know. But I'm first generation on my dad's side. My mom's side, um, my mom was born here, but her dad was, you know, born in Mexico. And her mom was born here and her mom was born in Mexico. So on my mom's side, there's a little bit longer of a line. But on my dad's side, I'm first gen, you know. Uh, But our house was very English. We were speaking English in the house, you know. That's just kind of how I grew up. But the Spanish was always there. It was always around. I come from a military family, so we moved around a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. And so, like, the extended family, like my abuela, my tias, and all of that, who I probably would have spoken more Spanish with, we weren't around. It was kind of us surrounded by whoever we were living near at that time. So it, it did, there was a little bit less of the the Spanish all over. Um, they did always tell us, though, you know, um, if you can't pronounce it, you can't eat it. So <gasps> food was the language, like the food was the the vocab that I, I always had down and mm-hmm. I can order in any restaurant. You Me know? too. <laughs> uh, so like, it's it's fine. <laughs> I can I can survive. But I always say, yeah, I'm a conversational intermediate Spanish speaker. But I, it's one of those things I, if I could do anything, if I could change anything. I don't have many regrets, but I wish my Spanish was stronger for sure. Yeah, me too. Sometimes, um, because I think sometimes when it, being children of immigrants, mm-hmm. we're very much like okay, at least in this generation where we you know we we were from and stuff like that. My mom and my dad were like very much like okay, well we all live in America, so we're going to learn English and sure. And they were they were you know native speakers of English and stuff like that. They when they spoke you know they spoke with an accent. My dad less than my mom. So you could always tell people are like, mm-hmm. you have an accent um, when I speak English. And they're like, yeah, my good luck guessing it. I'm from Florida. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I'm like, it could be from anything. Uh, <laughs> but it was always very interesting because in, in when I was living in Miami, I would anyone that would come up to me would automatically talk to me in Spanish yeah. and then would talk to my husband who was blonde, you know, blonde and green eyed. 
in English. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, hmm, equivocado, because <laughs> he is 100% American, but is a Spanish teacher with a master's in Spanish. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, but now I'm living in Florida, in Orlando. I am like, mm-hmm. Where? I, I miss my croquetas, and yeah. I think I miss <laughs> the food mostly than anything. But we oh, were sure. very Americanized, and food, though, was very Latin in our household. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and you know, with own voices being a huge thing mm-hmm. right now within the com- the community and the industry, are you finding that your your people are knocking on your door significantly more when it comes down to characters of Latino descent? At least, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it's interesting because I honestly think I was able to get into audiobook narration at the level I started at because of the movement towards own voices. You know, um, I came in. I want to say it was book three of the Thorn Chapel series. Um, taking over the role of um, St. Sebastian, who is a Mexican-American character, who was previously narrated by Zach Weber, who does not identify as Latino at all. Um, And he was the one that was really like, you know, I've done these other two books, but I think it's important that we have somebody who actually identifies with this to take over the role. Um, And so I like, you know, you got to give props to him. I think I mean, I'm sure there were other people making this decision, too. And Sierra was really great about welcoming into the family and all of that. Um, But I think I really kind of owe where I'm at to this push for authenticity, which I think is much needed. I think it's really important Um, because, you know, you wouldn't. I know I have opinions about that when I see it on screen, right? Like if you see somebody that is not Mexican at all playing a Mexican character, I do not like that. You know, so like <laughs> I think there is crossover mm-hmm. with regards to how that plays out in audiobook narration too, because it has to, you know. Um, there's value in having people that belong to these communities give voice to these characters. So that is kind of how I got into it. And then I think it's been interesting because as I've done more work. I've gradually been able to do roles that aren't just Latino, which Mm -hmm. is kind of the goal, right? Yeah. I'm an actor. I'm a performer. I want to be able to do as many things as possible. It's this weird sort of um, balancing act, right? To be able to be versatile, but also to be authentic, to make sure that, you know, we can do multiple things and occupy these different spaces, but also make sure that the few spaces that are culturally specific are being respected as culturally specific right like it's it sounds like a contradiction but i don't think it really is and so like yeah it it has provided some opportunities and i've been very glad to also kind of get opportunities outside of that space as well yeah i think that the what i always love i do love the fact that we're diversifying Mm -hmm. and i love the fact that we're getting more on the own voices regardless of cultural um, our communities and stuff like that. I do want that. I what I'm trying to to ensure too that happens is that people don't get then blocked in yeah. where Oscar Wayers can only play right. and voice yeah. characters of fill in the blank, you know, background because yeah. you don't <laughs> speak with an accent, you know, yeah. and you I mean I'm hearing of you know you want to bust out with my name is Billy and I'm from Texas. If you can bust <laughs> sure, out with sure. that accent, by yeah. all means, go for it because. I mean, there's been people, I think there was a conversation like, oh, someone from England would never be a cowboy. I'm like, hmm, they may not have the cowboy <laughs> accent, but they might own a ranch in Texas because sure. hmm, fill in the blank reasons. Sure, um, sure. But also the stereotypicalness um, when it comes down to Latin characters of everyone being like Mexican mm-hmm. and the accents being the same thing. I think a lot of production companies, um, especially now that if they do like uh, Sirena does Spanish audiobooks mm-hmm. um, and they're always looking for more of that neutral Spanish, because right. unless the character is from, you know, Tijuana, Mexico, it's going to be or Buenos Aires, Argentina. Right, it's gonna right. be a difference, and that's where my my grandmother's from is. Oh, Argentina. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah my, my I'm a mutt in that sense because my dad was from Cuba, my mom was from Chile, mm-hmm. and my grandmother who moved in with us uh, when I was since um I was two when she lived with us all our all our lives since then was Argentinian. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> certain words were always problematic. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Of course. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure you recall like like. One word in Mexico means totally different something in Puerto oh, Rico. Yeah. That means something totally in Chile and all these other countries. So yeah. always <laughs> there are different like there are different words for different things. Dialects Strawberry, are different. Yeah. Straw, like straw. you know, bug is yeah. another one. 
<laughs> there are a lot. I think pineapple has different words too. Like there oh, are yeah. like there are a bunch that have like different words. Yeah, and um, my favorite is when people start getting into a fight over whether this specific dish sure. is <laughs> if of this name or from that name. And I'm like, do y'all realize that the only difference between this over here and that is that you one uses black beans and the other one uses red beans. Yeah, yeah. Everything <laughs> else is the same. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So mm, it, it's hilarious. Funny. And like I think it is interesting because there is this sort of impulse to lump us all together but we are so different right if you talk about latinidad it's a variety you know it spans literally two continents and how many islands right the, yeah the idea that they would be the same is absolutely absurd and then you look at something like england and it's pretty easy to recognize like different dialects in the uk which is a really small region by comparison and to understand that there's different sounds and cultures from Scotland to Ireland yeah. to London to the countryside, right? And if they are allowed to have that variety of sound and experience and uh, all the rest, why can't a culture that spans X many countries have the same sort of um, acknowledgement? I don't know. It is definitely an interesting thing to kind of encounter. Well, it is because heaven forbid that the character says they're from Worcestershire, England, um, sure, of, sure. you know, but then they have a, a, a cognitive accent. And <laughs> some, someone in the review will say something um, yeah. or some in the, nowadays in our world, the social media, there will be a TikTok. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> About that, because it's and someone will say something. But there's also, like I said, in, with books, they're like, oh, yeah, they're or then when it's a generalized character in the sense of, well, yeah, you know, their background's Latin and all of a sudden the character Andale, or it's something I'm like, you know, we're not on there, right? Right, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you it's know, a thing. or Puerto Rican. <laughs> it's always a fight between the two, which ones when it comes down to identifying, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're, mm, there's a lot more of us, <laughs> and um, and we're bad too. I'm like, heaven forbid, we, we spicy when you, you try, know? you know, when you not, uh, when you don't identify us correctly. I'm like, oh, you're from Colombia, oh, do not tell yeah. me Nicaragua that. <laughs> It's 100% a thing. It really, yeah, it really is. is. Yeah. Well, I, I saw that in Miami because that was such an eclectic uh -huh. you know, melting pot. Um, in Chicago, how was that in Chicago? Yeah, Chicago actually has like a, a pretty massive population of Latina people. Um, like my family's from the south, southwest side of Chicago. So like Pilsen, Back of the Yards, which is primarily Mexican American, Mexican and Mexican American. Um, but there's also a pretty big Puerto Rican community as well. So like those are kind of the big groups, Puerto Rico and Mexico. Um, a lot of immigrants, obviously. So a lot of first gen folks, but also, I mean, the communities have been there for almost as long as Chicago has been there. You know, it, it's always part of the, the story. Um, but I think nowadays we're getting a lot more immigrants coming from South America. Because I think that's kind of just a, a trend that we're seeing everywhere. But yeah, so there, uh, it, it is a little bit less probably mixing pot than some other parts. But there are definitely a lot of Latinos there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, it used to be it was all, a lot of the Cubans were in Miami. And then there's a couple of years there, there was more Puerto Ricans. I mean, and then mm -hmm. it, it ebbs and flows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, it's just neutral Spanish. Know who's in the room because you don't want to say the wrong word for straw. Right. Uh, right that right. could mean a completely different body part. Um, <laughs> you, know? you know, but that even happens in like, like I was telling you, my mom being from Chile and everyone else everyone else she was the only one everyone's from argentina that was a running joke that they found her in a, in a basurero in a junk in a, in a garbage mm -hmm. bag you know the thing <laughs> yeah growing up in that family was a fun um but she showed us told us a story how she came in at 16 into her house where her, she had cousins and stuff like that are argentinian but they were living mm -hmm. in chile so they came visiting and then she comes in they're all excited because pinche pinche which in chile means i got a job Oh, yeah. in Argentina, it means I had sex. Um, and yeah, so, <laughs> different, like, different, different. Uh, yeah, difference and things like that. So, you know, between dialects and even accents, it's something that I, I love seeing more of the diversity. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad that we're having the conversations and I hope that we can continue to have open dialogue and conversations about how we can effectively represent everyone, but also never pigeonhole someone to something because of that either. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's a sort of thing. The One of the more recent books I did, I did Salt Kiss um, by Sierra Simone. And 
it was a character that isn't specifically Latino at all. You know, he's just this character and he's got a lot going on. <laughs> but it, it was really exciting to get to do something that felt very free from any of the expectations that might come. Like, you know, if you Google Oscar Reyes audiobook narration, I'm sure you can expect to find a lot of culturally specific stuff. But also there's a nice, decent mix and getting to do something like Saul Kiss and some of these other ones have been really, really cool to kind of not feel stuck. Yeah. So it it has been it has been a good thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, as listeners, one of the things and we're talking about the different dialects and the accents. What are some of the favorite accents for you to perform? Yeah. Uh, so I it's funny because my very first one of my very first gigs as an actor entailed me doing a, a British accent. So like British was one of the first ones I ever got like paid to do. It was, you know, a professional dialect. And then it was Irish. But I did a play in Chicago where I had to do a Scottish dialect for mm. like two and a half hours straight, like eight shows a week. So that's always the one that kind of is like um, close to my heart. I'm a little bit of a nerd. I can't lie. So, you know, me and my friends will play Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, you make the character, you do the role playing. And like uh, most of my characters will usually have some sort of accent just because it's fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like Irish or Scottish are kind of like the go to's. A lot of people will hear them and think that they're the same because, you know, yeah. it's, and it's an assumption that they're the same, but they're distinct because I spent a lot of time thinking about how they were different. But uh, but yeah, those are the fun ones. I, I do enjoy doing those. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, there was a review that said, I don't believe that he did an accent at all because his Irish was so not correct. And it was very <laughs> Furlong, who is Irish. Yeah. Um, yeah. So- <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people will say that or like yeah. they'll say that some people had a better British accent than actual British people in yes. the same movie. Mm-hmm. And you're like Everybody has an opinion. Yeah. Everybody has an opinion. You yeah. Know? They're, they're like assholes. Everybody has one. <laughs> you know, very much so. But yeah. Um, what about on the opposite scale? What are some of the more harder ones that you're like, nope, accents to perform for you? Honestly, I get self-conscious about Spanish or Mexican accents. You know, just I think it's because like I don't want to fuck it up. As an actor, I've been on screen and I've played a number of undocumented immigrants and <laughs> things like that because it's television and that's kind of <laughs> what you have to deal with sometimes. And, you know, I have cousins and Theos and Theos who actually have accents or don't speak English and once or twice they've been like what accent was that and I'm just like I don't know like, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> so honestly I get more like I get more self-conscious when I end up doing that sort of thing so anything that is a little bit more I think there's a nice sort of um it feels less personal there's like a little bit of a distance uh a little bit less pressure to <laughs> uh, get it right when you know as a mexican-american person i'm doing a scottish dialect most people are just impressed you know <laughs> as opposed to like oh you're mexican-american you should be able to sound convincingly mexican automatically you know it's almost like the expectation that oh you should be fluent in spanish automatically yeah. you know there's just a mm-hmm. little bit of extra pressure that gets me in my head yeah <laughs> i can't lie no no it's, it's i hear you it's the same thing with like oh and when they, I've gotten um, some of the narrators say, hey, Viv, how would you say this in a Spanish accent? And I'm going, wrong girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you need an Argentinian accent or Chilean yeah. or Cuban, I can, and in Spanish, I can provide that. But as far as English with an accent, I go, that was not what I grew up with. We were not allowed to have accents yeah. you know, speaking English. And the schools will get rid of it. Um, but also because of the amount of English that we spoke and yeah. who was around. I also have a problem where put me in Texas for a couple of days or any place at all with an accent. And I end up picking it up really quickly. Sure. Sure. And so I've had to tell people, please don't get offended. If I all of a sudden start talking like this a little bit, um, <laughs> or when I visit somebody in Georgia after a little while, I start talking about this and it's like, Oh yeah. God, babe, stop. Uh- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think there is something very human about wanting to fit in wherever you are. Right. True. Like I think, you know, we're changeable. And so I think there's something about mm-hmm. the fact that like you find yourself in a situation and, you kind of meld to match. Like, I think that is very natural. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. It's very human. I think it's very humanizing, but it's, it's also like you just hear it. And some of these accents are very nice to hear. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. um, like, I love the Irish and the Scottish accent, British accents too. Yeah. And a good, nice Southern drawl. can be nice sure, too. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a thing. 
It, it really is. Um, with you doing a lot of the romances under, um, you know, as Oscar, um, mm-hmm. romance has so many subgenres, which mm-hmm. I love because there's something for everybody. But is there a subgenre that you like to perform in? I think I have the most fun when they're like rom-coms, like when there's a little bit of a comedic element. Um, I feel like my natural personality probably aligns with that a little bit more. The Doing the moody ones is always a blast too. You know, like I mentioned, I, I do have a little bit of a sad boy thing going um, just in terms of some of the some of the titles. I think uh, at one point I had a conversation and there was a hashtag mentioned. Uh, those are fun as well. I think it's really satisfying for like the emotional emo teenager that is still inside all of us. Um, you know, as, a, as an actor, Hamlet is kind of the dream. So <laughs> there, there is something about these moody emotional characters that are very lost in their own thoughts and what they should do and the internal struggle that is very juicy and exciting to get to unpack um so you know i I can't i can't uh be mad about getting those opportunities uh but yeah the rom-com stuff is definitely a lot of fun in my own personal life i read a lot of horror like that's the sort of go-to genre that i enjoy as a reader But I don't know if I've, I haven't really done a lot of like supernatural or horror romance. I think that there is this sort of gothic subgenre there because I've done some like, uh, what's the word? Shifter stuff, you know, like the, paranormal. the werewolves and stuff like yeah. that, you know? So I've done, I've dabbled in that a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's not a subgenre that I've done as much as I might think, okay. <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah. Well, there's a there's a huge growth right now of uh, a lot of authors that I've chat, chatted with on the show. I've asked them like the question of like if there's another genre outside of romance that you would like to write in, which one would it be? And the number of folks that have bust out with horror mm-hmm. is like wow. It's 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 really like like okay, this would be fun yeah. if I was a psychologist. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's so versatile, right? It it's is. like it's got so many subgenres in and of itself like you could yeah. do whatever you want with it and um, yeah so there's a yeah. there's gonna be there's has been i think a lot of folks are starting to look into doing more horror romance and what does mm-hmm. that look like and not on a because dark dark romance is different yes than horror <laughs> i would and say I, so, yes. I, yes sometimes people think it's one of the same because the guy wore a mask i'm like no 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 that's <laughs> no that's not horror uh <laughs> yeah different genres so um, if there's any other uh, authors out there listening, um, he's interested in doing horror. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's my thing. Yeah. What kind of scenes do you like to perform the best? Scenes. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a good question. And in nice. terms of scenes that I enjoy, mm, I kind of like the ones that are dialogue between two characters because once you get more than two it gets it gets hard <laughs> but like I, I do enjoy dialogue scenes between two usually the the ones that are kind of um before the the protagonists fall in love where they're kind of like quipping back and forth you know the banter um, yeah I, I I love some banter I love some good dialogue I love the sort of um you know Jane Eyre of it all not Jane Eyre Jane Austen you know where there's like just the 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 little bit of conflict that kind of covers up the fact that the characters really feeling for each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are the ones that I like. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love Jane Eyre. <laughs> you know, Jane Eyre, Jane Austen. All yeah. The James. All the James. <laughs> no, but Jane Austen, yeah, it's a, back then it was just done differently. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why we're still reading those books and yeah, they're so good. I love Jane Austen. Yeah. yeah. Someone's like, Someone said to me, like, oh, I don't like Pride and Prejudice. And I'm like, wait, but I thought one of your favorite tropes was, like, enemies to lovers. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's the invention of that trope. That, you know? Yeah. yeah. A lot I of can't folks get are, it. Yeah. You know, like, if people say they don't like Pride and Prejudice, I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you talking? Like, I, I don't understand it. What's not mm-hmm. to like? So you being a fan of Pride and Prejudice, you're going to see mm-hmm. how, how good friends we're going to end up being or not. Mm-hmm. The movies slash TV show mm-hmm. adaptions. <laughs> I think sure. you know where I'm going, right? Sure. Are you a, sure. are you a more of a fan of the BBC production with Colin? Um, what is it, Colin Firth? Colin. Uh, 
Oh, my God. Col- yeah, I think that was Colin Firth. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. I think I'm making sure that I'm not talking about the Irish guy instead of the British That's one. Colin Farrell. I'm pretty okay, sure see, there you go. Yeah. Thank you. So Colin Firth yeah. or the 2020, uh, 2005 with uh, Matthew McFadden and Keira Knightley. So, I mean, the BBC version is iconic, right? Like, you can't really you can't really argue with that. But the Keira Knightley, Joe Wright directed one I love. And I think it hit me at the right time. You know, I, I think... It's like, what do I want to do? Do I want to eat something that is really well-made and rich, like a big old meal? Because that's the BBC version. Or do I want something that is like a little bit quicker, a little bit less uh, thought out, but is uh, just really satisfying in the moment? Then I have to go with the movie. You know, um, it's a little bit more contained. So you can sit and watch it in a single sitting. I feel like it's a commitment to watch the series because yes. obviously it's it's a mini series. So there's an economy to of time to watching the movie. And I, I think it's really well done. And I do, I do love the movie. I can't yeah, lie. The cinematic of the movie. It's my favorite one. Uh, yeah. that's, so you're not going to be like BFFs. Uh, the hands, <laughs> like the way yes. that they focus on his the hands. music. And then you got this, the, she's on like the cliff and it's just, yes. it's beautiful. It's, like, it's, it's so it's, good. I know the cinematic and the music, they was just iconic. And the little, you know, the looks that they gave each other. And, and that's where when I when hear people say, oh, I don't like Pride and Prejudice, I'm going, what? You're, yeah. like I said, you know, tropes are all there between, you know, enemies to lovers to, you know, fa- you know, families, dramas and all this fun stuff. I'm like, it's pretty much there. Um, but yeah, that's that's my favorite one too. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I went down the rabbit hole with Matthew McFadden when that movie uh, came uh-huh. out. Yeah, yeah. He's great. He is. I ended up getting a bunch of DVDs. Yes, we yeah. DVDs um from Amazon UK and figuring oh, out how nice. to get my DVD to play UK. Original one, yes, yeah. original <laughs> ones because it didn't have it here. But then also BBC did an entire series of readaptions of you know Jane Austen's books. So you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so I kind of went down that rabbit hole too. Um, as a girl that loves books, duh, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah. When you're not working, what do you do for fun? Uh, I go to the movies a lot. I love the movies. Uh, I'm a big reader, so you know, even though reading is work, I also read for pleasure. I listen to audiobooks for pleasure. Funnily enough, um, it's interesting because I I started as a listener to audiobooks after I had already been doing the work and I got into it because I was in a book club and I didn't want to like sit and read the book and somebody was like yeah well you can listen to it on an audiobook and I was like oh can I and it didn't <laughs> click like it didn't click for me that yeah I guess I literally do this for work and I can also appreciate it so I started reading my book club books through audiobook and the big thing is since I'm a fast reader it was hard at first because it felt really slow and then I learned that you can just speed it up. So, like, you know, I'm flying through books. Um, so I do that. You know, I play games like me and my friends. You know, we play D&D or Magic or whatever because we are a little bit on the nerdy side. Video games. Yeah, I, I try to work out and stuff. But that feels a little bit less fun and a little bit more maintenance, I guess. A little yeah. bit of a chore on that, on that front. But uh yeah, I keep busy. Um, my plate is generally full. I'm on a kickball league, so I play kickball. Um, yeah, I try to try to have a nice variety. Going on. Nice. So being a reader and a lover of words and stuff, what is your favorite word? Separate from your favorite curse word, because that is your second part of the con- other question. My favorite word? Yes. Oh, that is a tough one. Um, <laughs> the, the first one that comes to mind is dumb and I know why it's the first one that comes to mind because it's been coming up a lot recently in uh, work conversations that I've had but the word vestigial is <laughs> is the first one that uh, that pops into my head you know vestigial as in like leftover you know it's this something that remains um, after things have changed or whatever mm-hmm. um, and there's something very satisfying about the word vestigial so I'm going to say that for okay. the you know, that's the sort of thing that I think changes on the day in the mood. Yeah. Today, right now, vestigial. Okay. So what about your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word might be fuck. Okay. I think it's great, but I, I also love it as kind of like as a noun, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of calling someone a fuck is really <laughs> funny and satisfying to me. Like you fuck. Like I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. I well I can 
I can use that word as a noun, pronoun, adjective. I'm like, you fucker. Stop it's fucking so around. You know, it's so <laughs> yeah. like you can use it however you need to. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um, interesting how sometimes when people say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be someplace like a convention and things like that. And they're like, oh, but I won't know anybody. I'm like, listen, we all have one thing in common. Mm-hmm. If you're in a room, whether you're in a bookstore, if you're in a library, so we all like or love books. So it's always fun to kind of get to know you guys and find out that you're also D&D players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, there's a little bit less less shame, less vestigial shame yes. than there was at one point because now mm-hmm. it's a little bit more mainstream. Oh, um, yeah. It's all over my feet. Thanks to uh, Bald- Baldur's uh, Gate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I play Baldur's Gate as well. Um, oh. I do. I do. I spend way <laughs> too much time. I don't have the time mm-hmm. to spend playing Baldur's Gate that I somehow managed to spend playing yeah. Baldur's Gate. There's, I have no excuse. But uh, I know. Yeah. See, it's great. Um, it's a good game, dude. It is. Okay, good. Because I've it's been all over my feet. Thanks to uh, Asterion. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> And it's been, it's interesting too, because I'm going, y'all are not gamers, but they're loving him as a character and a romance yeah. interest. And I'm like, yeah, it just needs <laughs> to be done into a cartoon or a movie of some sort and animation just to get it done. But I have a friend that's like, you'd like the game. I'm like, listen, I'm classic Mario Brothers kind of a girl, <laughs> you know, like straight up and down on the mushrooms and stuff like that. When it comes sure. to some of these games, it's, a, it's very 3D-ish. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, yeah. it's like, where am I going? I would get lost even though I'm the human GPS in my family. It like- is easy to get lost in some of those maps. <laughs> I mean, they're literally dungeons and mazes. Like yeah. it's it's designed to be disorienting. Funnily enough, you are able to jump on mushrooms. Oh. <laughs> okay, see, that game. might be a yeah, see, that uh, might be a fun thing that <laughs> you can also like scale the game. Like it lets you pick how hard you want it to be. So you can play it on basically like easy mode. Okay. Um, if that's something that you're interested in, it will take over your life if you let it like (laughs) it's fun though like Uh you'll you'll be jazzed about it but then like (laughs) it'll be the thing that you're thinking about yeah i'm gonna send you a note saying oscar i'm on level five (laughs) you know it's like it's a thing and i'm a very thorough game player so you know you can move through and just like check the boxes do what you need to do and head Mm -hmm. on but this game is so rich and they have all of these little secret things hidden everywhere yeah so i'm like well i'm not moving on until i find everything you know which means i'm spending a lot more time to not get as far but my experience is richer for it you know uh so yeah Yeah, i love that you're such an enabler (laughs) it's i i i yeah i'm a little i enabler is exactly when it comes to Baldur's gate yeah exactly what i am okay we'll have to offline (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're gonna have to offline that because again i have a friend that she loves um, she plays D and D, but she's also mm-hmm. into the romance stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and I think she showed me one thing, and my feed has been nothing but, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that tracks. It, it does track, yes. But it's a good thing. I'm like, I wonder if he does audiobooks because my mind then goes straight into casting. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might. Like, it, it's funny. I think there has to be some sort of uh, crossover between video game voice actors and performances. Well, there's a lot of audiobook. There's a there's been a lot of narrators like I know Tara Langella does uh um games and animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Kristen has done the same thing. Shane East under his real name has done stuff mm-hmm. as well. So it's it's very it can be very like similar paths as far as careers and stuff like that and just ju- you know jumping around and stuff or doing something different. I do know that Neil Newborn has um actually has been doing the physical acting of the games because that's also fascinating how they do those tracks. And with all right. the dots in your face um, <laughs> and acting out the lines. So, <laughs> right, right. Things I've learned. Thank you, Internet. Um, <laughs> and romance and wanting to romanceify a character um, <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. I love it. <laughs> I love my community. It's great. But speaking of games, did you mm-hmm. do your homework about Two Truths and a Lie? I did. Yes. Yay. So we're going to play the fun game. You're going to tell us three things about yourself and we're going to figure out which one's the lie. And I say we because I do really hope y'all are li- that are listening are playing along. Yeah. Otherwise, awkward. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. whenever you're ready. Okay. Um, one, I have four Halloween costumes prepared for this upcoming weekend. Two, I am a current PhD student. Three... I have spent over 100 hours playing a video game called Baldur's Gate. 
that's the truth. But then again, it could just be the see. This is where this game gets you. It's in sure. the in the details. You could have five Halloween costumes ready for this weekend instead of four. Um, it, it, well, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I mean? like I I because I didn't really anticipate that Baldur's Gate would come up Sorry. outside <laughs> of the three or the two truths and a lie. Mm-hmm. So so that, that was one of my prepared. Well, sorry, truths. <laughs> that was one of my prepared <laughs> truths <laughs> that I just didn't didn't really anticipate uh, being a little bit spoiled <laughs> yeah. prior. But hey, it's just one of those where, it could, like I said, it could be that you're a fan and you it could be more than that 100 hours, right? True, true. So it's all that. So, But I want to say that's the truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's okay. And again, it's on details. It could be that you're, instead of a PhD student, it could be that you're a master or not at all student. But yeah, okay. Hmm. So which one's a lie? Huh. Yeah, do I tell you? Is that... Well, let me hold on. Let me see. Okay. okay. How does the game work? We got to kind of have to figure it out. So, okay. So the, 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 the game is the truth. So the lies between the four Halloween costumes or the PhD students. And I can't, mm-hmm. you're an actor. So no offense, but is the PhD students the lie? It is not. <gasps> So you have like what three costumes maybe for Halloween instead of or I five? I have three costumes. Okay, <laughs> I, have, I have three costumes. Yeah, I have three costumes. Okay, so yeah. PhD students, do you mind sharing in what? Because that's always fascinating for me. Sure. Yeah, I'm actually getting my PhD in theater and performance studies. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a lot of reading as well, <laughs> as you can imagine, uh, but not quite as fun as a romance novel or a horror novel or anything else honestly <laughs> it's like it's just a lot of really dense reading about yeah. like uh you know theory and philosophy and it's all about ideas which is interesting and compelling don't get me wrong but it's also very challenging and uh exhausting and whenever i feel like i can't go to sleep mm-hmm. oh my god and i'm immediately <laughs> unconscious which makes it a lot harder <laughs> to actually finish the homework but yeah, yeah. well no ph programs or phd programs are no joke um yeah, yeah. and a lot of times people don't realize that they can still get a phd in the, in the arts or in that realm but it's just going to be a lot more intensive it's not just about where the the lighting is going to be better oh yeah no you know? i mean <laughs> no. Yeah, it is it is not like that at all it's mm-hmm. funny because you hear theater and performance studies and you assume that it's about like plays but it's not it's not really it's more about like human nature and why we do plays you know it's it's very like it's it's for lack of a better term academic um and so it's definitely interesting and i i I made the choice to do the program for a number of reasons but it's definitely something there it's a little bit it's not for everybody which you you find out pretty soon Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, they got to weed throughout stuff. But a- again, people get fascinated and get into the-, the loving of something. And then they're like, nah, it's okay. I'm good. Either yeah, they've learned yeah. enough or they've realized it's not for them. And there's no shame in that either. I think that sometimes we are, at least in my generation, was very much like, you have to go to school. You have to get a degree and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and I'm Same. like, not everyone is meant to or or wanna <laughs> yeah, do a yeah. four-year degree, let alone continue because you can't get a PhD without getting a master's. True. Um, so you gotta <laughs> have to go in. <laughs> yep, that is true. <laughs> you know, I have a friend that it's like I'm like you're a li- lifelong student. I think he's yeah. he's finalizing his uh, almost second PhD, and I'm like, dude. Oh, wow, yeah. But he's a learner. He's a learner. The Renaissance yeah. man for sure. But but yeah, that's huge. You're gonna have to keep us posted on when you graduate. We'll have a nice little. <laughs> salutes and maybe play some boulders gate um yeah oh you know so it's a couple years away at this point for sure but uh yeah i look forward to that day yay cool so um the halloween costumes can you talk to us about that because i'm just curious yeah so one of them is actually from boulders gate god i'm gonna sound like such a nerd after this i love it though (laughs) one is asterian from boulders gate i do have an asterian costume um and then the other is a uh a from a cartoon um uh Korra the the legend of Korra which is like a yeah from it's like the sequel series to Avatar the Last Airbender so I got, I got a costume from that show and it's funny cuz like the SAG strike is going on like the SAG after strike 
and we received information that we are we shouldn't do Halloween costumes um, from struck companies. Um, so luckily, cartoons and video games are outside of that purview. So it's like, oh, okay, perfect. And then the other one, I think, is just like a werewolf, just like a wolf ears and stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like your your standard Wolfman esque Halloween costume. Yeah. So I'm assuming the three costumes are three different events, or, or yeah. just like um, outfit changes in between. Uh, three different events. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. I'm not I, I love Halloween, but like I wouldn't change mid day. <laughs> like I don't think I have a friend that loves it too me. and does costume changes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're 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 location based <laughs> costumes for yeah. sure. Yeah, heaven forbid too that you wear the exact same costume to do different events and exactly. <laughs> you know, to me, and it's like because they're also different days because over the course of the weekend, and it's like I wouldn't wear the same outfit two days in a row. You know, why would I wear the same costume two days in a row? It's also it's dressed up. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun putting it yeah. together. It's it's kind of my Halloween tradition. I'll watch like Hocus Pocus while I assemble whatever costume I'm going to be wearing out. Mm-hmm. That's my little Halloween treat to myself. Nice. Ah, uh, yes. Hocus Pocus is on my list. I have a bad and practical magic. I'm trying mm-hmm. to debate if I'm going to add the second Hocus Pocus movie to it or not, but I don't, I don't know. Did you, have you seen it yet? I have seen it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. It did yeah. not make my list, so I no, get it. No, yeah. Um, I was I'm like, mm. I mean, yeah, I just got a- Practical magic so good. I love it is. Magic. Yeah, it is. I just literally got, uh, I just finished adopting a, a kitten. Oh, from nice. Orlando um, Cat Cafe oh, and cool. um, all black cats, all black. Mm-hmm. And it's my first boy because usually my cats have always been girls. Oh, okay. And so going down the names and I'm like, Binks, Thackeray Binks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, kind of a little basic there, but it's just, it just works for him. It's fitting, you know? It's fitting, you know, especially as much as I love the whole genre and the whole like witchy side of things. It's totally fitting for Viviana to have Binks. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, that was fun. I love having those mm-hmm. conversations and things like that. Um, before we go, can you tell us what mm-hmm. you're currently working on and what is coming up next for you? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess some of the recent titles that I have done are parts of series, like larger series. So I did Salt Kiss, which is one of the books in the Lioness trilogy from Sierra Simone that is still in progress. So that's probably going to be something that will be coming out as time goes on and projects get finished and put together. Um, I did a book that's part of uh, the Vengeful Gods Motorcycle Club series. So I did like the first two, and I think there's at least one more that's still on the horizon there. And then I recently signed on to do a book. I don't know if it was announced, so I don't know if, I mean, I feel like I'm allowed to say, but if she says yes, by Tasha L. Harrison. Looks like that's probably going to be getting recorded over the course of the next couple of months as well. So yeah, nice. those are the ones that are like, you know, in 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 the down the highway, so to speak. Yeah, you know? yeah. Eventual gods, motorcycles. Mm, gotta love it. Yeah, the MCs. Yeah. <laughs> the, motor, the motorcycle clubs. The different motorcycle clubs are always always a hoot. You know. Yeah. Matter of thoughts, my dad used to ride a, b- a motorcycle. He was part oh, of the yeah, club. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like thinking of it now as an adult. go, yeah, none of them look like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. I have absolutely an uncle that was not. in a motorcycle club. Oh. <laughs> and he is not looking like that, man. No, none of like... them were. None of them were. Yep. No. Nope. Even then now when they have a, my brother who also rides a bike um, goes down to Daytona Beach and stuff. Sure, we sure. have those bike weeks there. And I, I always fuck with him. And I'm like, Handy, take a couple of photos. Like, Man, what the fuck, fool? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, yeah. I just want to make sure that none of them look like the books. And yeah. sure enough. They don't. They, they don't. don't. <laughs> like, they really, really don't. <laughs> they really don't. <laughs> but you got you got to have the illusion, right? You got to yeah, have that, that famous. Exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me. It's been such a pleasure to chat. Yeah, yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. If you're not following him on social media, you need wish you've gotten better at some stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. Posting. You're trying. I'm trying. It's hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's Trust hard. me. As someone that works with it all the time, it's hard. I get it. But I will be including all of your, you know, his links on the main landing page for this episode over at Viviana Enchanters of Books so you guys can look follow him. And until next time, happy listening. Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. The Audiobook Loving Podcast has special Patreon access levels. 
Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shout-outs, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.